and welcome to yet another episode of Cowgirls and Indians. I am the cowgirl, Christina Cook. And I'm the Indian, Keith Nobles. <laughs> and uh, as usual, we're here to bring you the dark underbelly of progressive politics and expose what's, what's going on on the left in this country and try to try to give you the the, the listener to the uh, ability to sort of pick out some of this stuff that, that we see in the news and you know some of these these concepts that just look like they come out of left field right right yeah. and so today we're going to talk t- about critical race theory yes this is one that's been I I found very interesting for quite a while. It took me a long time to really kind of get my arms around this, Keith, and and uh, you know, as a concept, you know, what it means, um, you know, what what woke means, what white privilege means, you know, what all this stuff, what what is it that they're actually saying when they say all of those words, right, and that kind of thing. So, um, so I think, uh, and uh, you know, you had suggested that that we start here. Let's let's start again with with defining our terms. Uh, I think that it's always really important to do that so that we're all on the same page. We all know exactly what it is that we're talking about. So let's let's start with the obvious one. Let's start with critical race theory and actually define that. Do you have a definition that you like for that? Well, it's an academic concept that comes from Marxist legal theory, and it's explicitly Marxist. That's not, you know, calling somebody a commie as a pejorative. Right. It is, this is an explicitly Marxist theory that comes from Marxist legal theory, and the idea is race is a social construct. Racism is not a product of bias or prejudice, but something embedded in the culture, in the legal system, and in policies. And the basic tenets emerged out of legal analysis in the late 70s and early 80s by people like Derek Bell, Kimberly Crenshaw, and Richard Delgado, among others. Mm-hmm. And there were uh, there were a number of scholars, I'm going to use that term loosely here, sort of, I mean, they are scholarly, I suppose, in, in their own in their own form. But so but, but CRT, critical race theory, is it's actually a philosophy, is it not? Sort yes, of a, it is. a meta philosophy as as much involved with the law is, is, yes. is sort of based in philosophical ideas. One of the definitions that I came across, there's a couple of things that I'd like to I'd like to highlight. First of all, you talked about it being embedded, racism being embedded in, yes. in our in our social. That is really, really central to CRT. Yes. Uh, and to and to critical race theory yes. itself and its its objectives. It's important to understand that CRT believes that, that that's, that's sort of a, a fund- fundamental precept um, within the theory when you're going to look at what it is that they're trying to achieve yes. uh, in that, because they really do believe that the fundamental organizing principle of society is race. Yes. It, it is nothing else. It's all about race. Uh, pretty much. And that recent racism was created. They also believe that uh, racism was created by white people specifically to oppress people of other races and white people maintain that racism so that they can maintain their own advantage in society. Right. That's, I mean, basically what they pitch (laughs) that that's, that's a very pithy way of, of kind of, you know, phrasing it. I think um, if we were to get a little bit more scholarly though, we're talking about the critical theory aspect of, of CRT. You're right. It comes out of Marxism. When we talk about it being a philosophy, philosophy usually is split up into either philosophy tries to explain the past or, you know, normative philosophy is going to try to explain what things should be like. Right. CRT actually marries those two. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. They're, they're trying to tell us what our society should look like and then work backwards from there, telling us who the bad actors are that make it so that it's not that way now. Right. And then go back into history and explain everything through that lens. Am, am I wrong? No, you're correct. And, and what is more? And we need to consistently point this out, go back to this. Because for all the episodes, I believe we pointed out, the essence, the, the bedrock of what we believe as conservatives, as fans of this classical school of thought, is that all men are created equal with the same natural rights. Right. CRT is the explicit renunciation of that idea. Exactly. Okay. This is important to understand. <laughs> it is. Because we talk about this. We talk about nihilism and these 19th century German philosophers and yeah. progressivism and all these ideas. This is really where you most evidently see that they utterly renounce all men are created equal. And they call that system, that idea itself, evil. Yeah, yeah. They, they really, really do. They, they that call that it is racist. racist. Yeah. Yes. That that is racist. It's it's so upside. It's seriously, it's upside down world to me. And I'm still trying to get my my head around how they can actually believe this. Now, one of the scholars that we were talking about in the early 90s who who wrote about this and who sort of started the whole the, the modern CRT is a, a professor named Cheryl Harris. Uh, and she wrote a an article that uh, ended up in the Harvard Law Review in 1993 called Whiteness as Property. Yeah. And in that article, I haven't read the whole thing yet. And I mean, it's a Harvard Law Review article, so it's it's going to take me a while to parse it. But the basic tenet, as far as I can tell, is or the, the basic aim, as far as I can tell, is that we need to completely upend capitalism, individual yeah. property rights, all of the things that make America, America. <laughs> well, let's go back to the fact this is it comes out of Marxism. Right. Right. That, yeah. That's all this is. And if you want to draw it a little farther back than we have, we've mentioned in a previous episode, 1930s, 40s, 50s, you had these old school Reds. Yeah. These Bolsheviks. Yeah. They were fans of the Soviet Union. They were followers of Stalin. 1956, Khrushchev gave a speech. It was supposed to be a secret speech to the Politburo. It, somebody recorded it. So people think that was the Mossad that recorded it. <laughs> that speech, uh, the recording of that speech went worldwide. Yeah. And in that speech, Khrushchev condemned Stalin for his crimes. And it killed, essentially, to a large extent, this, these old school Reds in the United States who had been fans of Stalin. Right. There was no more defending communism in that vein. So in order to resurrect communism in the United States, Berkeley in 1959, you had what was called the New Left to separate them from the people who followed Stalin. Right. And they realized you were not going to bring communism to the United States premised on class warfare. Right. You were going to have to find other things to divide people, race, gender, sexual preferences, these sorts of things were what they focused on. And what we have here with CRT is an outgrowth of what started Berkeley in 59 with the new left. Right. So this is just a, a continuation of that school of thought of how to bring about the demise of the United States in favor of communism. Absolutely. That, that's what this is. Absolutely. And I think it's really, really, really important also, in spite of claims that you hear from from advocates of CRT uh, who, who try to... Um, appropriate the civil rights movement and you know the those uh and I'm going to I'm going to use the word liberal in its truest sense those those efforts to free people from slavery from oppression from all those things which is what the civil rights movement in the 1960s actually was supported by republicans opposed by democrats always important to remember that CRT is not a continuation of 
that civil rights movement. It is not a continuation of MLK Jr.'s dreams and, and, and his legacy. It is not. It is, in fact, completely geometrically opposed to that. Again, calls, you know, all men are created equal, a racist statement. So No, you're exactly right. It is a continuation of the new left at Berkeley Bingo. in 59 right. in the effort to find ways to destroy the United States in favor of communism that did not involve the Soviet Union directly. Right. From that perspective, let me ask you this. Are the Marxists using race just as a convenient way to split us up? Is is race fundamental to CRT or to, to this Marxist theory, or is it or is it just another way to, to split us? I think it's just another way. Okay. So let's go back to the basic premise, right? We, we've talked about this endlessly. These 19th century German ideas believe the only agency that matters is political. Right. Moral agency does not matter. Right. Right? Right. So yes, this is just an example of using political agency to achieve a political goal. What happens to any of these individual people of whatever race is irrelevant to them. Right. Right? It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is they use this to achieve power. Right. Yet one more example of how the left just takes everything and makes it rotten. Yeah. All right. So so that's a definition of CRT. It's a working definition of CRT. It's a it's a complex subject that's, you know, worth more than two or three sentences. But I think for for the purposes of this podcast, we could go with that definition. Well, yeah, it's important to understand here, right? We're right. talking about critical race theory. You're talking about it, it's premised on rejection of the idea of universal values, objective knowledge, individual merit, enlightenment, rationalism, and true liberalism. Right. Right. It rejects all of those things. Right. It rejects meritocracy. It rejects capitalism. It, it rejects oh, yeah. individual rights. It rejects oh, oh, yeah. all of that in favor of felt experience. Yes. And, and that kind of thing, perceived experience. All right. So what else did you want to define for purposes of this conversation? Because there's so many words that get thrown around as part of this entire debate that, you know, if you are a normal human being who isn't, you know, head deep in, in politics all the time, you know, things like white privilege makes no sense. Yeah. Let's define white privilege, systemic <laughs> racism. Okay. What those things be? Because you'll see like memes on social media mm-hmm. and people show some dirt poor white people and right. say so much for white privilege. Well, but that's not really what they mean by that. Right. Right. What they really mean by that is this, that our government, economic, banking, diplomatic, political systems pretty much root back to Europe, not just for us, but for the entire world. Right. Right. And and let's really quick review the reasons for that, as we've mentioned before. So I'm a citizen of the Cherokee Nation. Right. We have a very wonderful culture. We had for many thousands of years, a very efficient and effective way to go about living and governing ourselves and so forth. However, that was wholly dependent on you being a Cherokee, you believing these things, right. Cherokees believe, right? Right. It didn't work if you were in China, <laughs> right? Fair <Okay>. enough. <laughs> All right. So what happened 2,000 years ago, Yeah. give or take, Rome figured out a system of diplomacy, of banking, of laws, of relationships that would span across cultures, languages, beliefs. And Rome did this because if Rome had not done that 2,000 years ago, they would have starved. So Rome is really the start of this idea that you could get these different peoples to all operate by a common set of rules for everyone's advantage. Well, over the last 2,000 years, those ideas just became more sophisticated, more 
complex. Yeah. Often more efficient. Yeah. Right. But this idea that that spawned out of Rome and out of Europe became worldwide because they work across cultures. Right. And they work across languages. And it doesn't matter which God you worship or any of that. You can use these systems. Right. Right. That that was the idea. So these people, the advocates of critical race theory, describe that as white privilege. Okay. Okay. That's really it. Right. Because they look at they go, well, this legal system, this banking system, this economic system, this political system, this diplomatic system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is European. Well, and the idea is that it favors those with white skin color. That's, I mean, when they say white privilege, it's because of of the color of your skin, you're able to navigate in all of those systems easily, whereas somebody who does not have the same color skin as you and I cannot navigate in those systems as easily because they're not set up to benefit that's what they because say. Of their, because of their skin color. That's why, that's, well, I mean, white privilege is a bullshit. It's a bullshit if term in the first place. 120 seconds thinking about it, they right. realize skin color has nothing to do with your ability to navigate these systems. It shouldn't. It, it does not. Now, right. culture does. That's certainly true. Now, let, and, let me. And, and, and there's different factors, but yeah. skin color is not an issue here in being able to navigate these systems. Let me, let me push back on that for a second, though. Okay. Okay. Because. It's really a very recent development in the United States that that's that's the case that that it's not skin color. Let's talk about redlining for a second. Okay. Okay. So redlining was a practice where that was set up actually under Roosevelt's New Deal. Um, it was the housing something something HOLC I think is yeah, the is yeah. the is the acronym for the housing authority right. that was supposed to help extend mortgages and all that kind of stuff. And so the HOLC realtors that were under their code of ethics were tasked with upholding segregation in the United States at that time. Okay. And this is the 1930s. They would, on the maps of urban areas, color in red, those neighborhoods where too many African-Americans lived to make it a safe bet to extend a mortgage there. And it was literally based on skin color. It was based on skin color and that how many how many blacks lived in those neighborhoods. Redlining obviously was was outlawed as part of the, the Community Reinvestment Act and in the you know or the as part of the Civil Rights Act. And and you know, it's supposed to be illegal. It's still practiced, but yes. It's still practiced. And and not only that, even the places where the mortgages are not actually not extended because of of skin color, but the property values in those historically redlined neighborhoods are half of what they are in historically white neighborhoods. So so there when 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 they talk about systemic racism, for example, that's that's what always comes to my head is the practice of redlining and the fact that that does have effects even now today. Oh oh yeah. In in the 21st century. So I mean, you know, so so there is there is, but, but that has nothing to do with your ability to navigate the system per se. It has to do with the ability to access the system, right? Okay. Um, I mean, I would draw a difference there, right? Okay, help me help me understand the difference that you're trying okay, to so articulate. Okay, so for there. a long time, <laughs> we talked about this so many times, but we'll revisit it again. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because I'm a slow part, part, learner. Because part of the. CRT argument is Americans did this, white people did that. Well, what we're really saying here is Democrats did this. Democrats 
did that. And this this is part of the It's the, important to remember, yeah. This is part of the intentional deceit here. Yeah. Right? You're trying to convince people Americans did this or white people did this. When let's be specific, it was Democrats yep. who did this. Yep. It was not yep. right some yep. amorphous white people or some amorphous Americans. Right. It, it was Democrats who did this. Right. So I mean let's, let's just put that out there. It was right? left wing power hungry progressives. If the Democratic Party had never existed, these problems we're talking about would have never existed. I would agree. That's just the truth. Yeah. Right? Up until and it was interesting as part of my research for today's uh for today's podcast, I learned that blacks and whites in, in the post-Civil War South, up until Jim Crow was actually instituted in the in the late 1880s, 1870s, 1870s. 80s, late 1870s, they, they lived freely together. It wasn't a problem until Jim Crow and, and forced separation between the races. So, well, I mean, yeah, and that's, then that's, that's, Jim Crow is the Democrats. No, exactly. Ku Klux Klan is the Democrats. Yeah, no, Exactly. And we could revisit the brief history there, right? After the Civil War, yep. you had the 13th, 14th Amendments, equal rights. Immediately after the war ended, I mean immediately, you had a number of organizations, the most famous of which was the Ku Klux Klan, which were formed to deprive these newly freed slaves of their rights. Right. And the United States federal government sent the United States Army in to try and enforce those rights. Yeah. And there were... Uh, pitched battles fought in these states between organized armies comprised mostly of Civil War veterans and commanded by Civil War generals on each side who knew what the hell they were doing yeah. as far as combat goes. Yeah. And they, they were fighting pitched battles in Just these states really. over these the rights of these newly free slaves, if they could exercise those rights or not. Right. And after about 12 years of that, the American people just got tired of doing that. Yeah. Right, 1877, Rutherford B. Hayes made all of these Southern governors pledge to uphold these rights, and he withdrew the army. Okay, even though he knew that wasn't going to be the case, and that was really the new advent of Jim Crow. Sure, and the the Ku Klux Klan at that point moved from being the insurrectionist to being the people in power, the controlling force. Right, so yeah. you had like South Carolina Wade Hampton, who had been before the Civil War. Wade Hampton was the largest slave owner. United States, he owned probably yeah, the Hampton family, owned probably 14,000 slaves. Holy crap. Okay. So Wade Hampton serves with valor and distinction the Civil War as a Confederate general, right? He's he's no coward, right? He, okay. he serves with valor and distinction in the Civil War. After the Civil War, he becomes head of the Ku Klux Klan in South Carolina. And then when South Carolina is readmitted to the Union, he is elected governor. Of South Carolina. So you have after, especially after 1877, this merging of the Ku Klux Klan and the political structure is the same. Same happens in Georgia where Gordon is a Confederate general. Yeah. Gordon is head of the Ku Klux Klan after the Civil War. And then Gordon becomes elected governor of Georgia. Right. So the Ku Klux Klan goes to be this insurrectionist being fought literally by the United States Army to being the the people in power, the ones who it were officially elected, yeah, people in power, and that really starts the the, the people hype. who were determining the rules, yes, and who were going to enforce the law or not enforce the law, right? Because that's critical to understand, right? Right? I believe it was nineteen nineties, nineteen eighties, before a white man in Mississippi was ever convicted of murdering a black man. Really? Yeah, it took that long. Wow. So yeah, this this stuck around. 
Long it was time. Stu- it stuck around as long as Democrats ran these states. Right. Right. That's that's just the the truth to to it all. Right. Jimmy Carter ran governor 1970, I believe, for governor of Georgia. And Jimmy Carter ran as a segregationist. So, yeah, if you were a Democrat in these states, you were a segregationist right up until the point which Republicans started winning these states, at which point Democrats rather reluctantly abandoned their segregationist policies. Right. So. Well, they just found different ways to do it. They found different ways to do it. But, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just the, kind of the short history right. of that. So even though Jim Crow was legally banned in the 1960s. It was still around. It was, yes. Yeah. These states with these Democrat governors, right. like I said, Jimmy Carter, 1970, after Jim Crow had been abolished, ran as a segregationist. Right. Right. George Wallace stuck around to the bitter end in Alabama as a segregationist. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a long history of, of abuses there. Yes. I, I think it's, it's the point of that, of that sidebar. So- I don't think any right-thinking, honest person can disagree that America has her share of sins in her past. What the the problem is, is that CRT's objective is to then take that history and then completely overthrow the system on the basis of it. That's their conclusion. They're conflating the premise and the conclusion. Yeah, well, they're conflating the premise and the solution. Right. Right? So- I can talk at length with just about anybody you care to have (laughs) me talk with about the history of racism in the United States. Right. You know what? What they do is the advocates of CRT and other progressive schools of thought say, well, if you don't agree with my solution, that means you deny racism. It means that you're a racist. Yes, exactly. And this is just intellectually, morally dishonest to the nth degree. Right. I mean, it really is. Yeah. It's like, OK, I can point out and go, your CRT solution sucks. Yeah. Right. And here's all the reasons it sucks. And here's all the falsehoods but it's Keith, premised on. But if I if you, say, if you express I, that, then it's just it's evidence of your white guilt, well, and your white how, fragility. How yeah. many how many people in defending CRT said, well, slavery really happened? I mean, it's that banal. Yeah, <laughs> a, a thought process. Well, of course it happened. Let's teach all about slavery. Let's teach who was for slavery. Let's teach who was against slavery. Let's teach Let's all teach about it. Who yeah. the hell got yeah. rid of slavery and why? Exactly. Right. Let's teach the whole thing. But that's it's like the 1619 project. It's <laughs> it's falsehood by omission. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's things to the 1619 project that are fabricated, but by and large, it's falsehood by omission. It's like not teaching all sorts of things that will lead people to an entirely different conclusion than they want you to draw. Well, and again, that goes back to what I was saying earlier about CRT is in charge as a philosophy. It's in charge of both explaining the past and predicating the future and, and saying this is what the future should be. So, so it's got both a normative and an empirical side to it. Yes. So they're always. There is no way you can set both of those things in the same person's lap and expect them to go from the empirical to the normative. That's just not going to happen. They're going to start with what they want to see happen. Right. And it's a Marxist theory. So we know. I mean, that's it. That. Yeah. We already all, know how that movie ends. All solutions are political. All solutions are political. Abandon, you know, capitalism, abandon individual rights, um, and then work backwards from there. Outlaw white people, make everything that happened. And since the dawn of time, the fault of white people and tell them that they're all guilty. And yeah. so basically what they envision. Well, they divide society up into perpetrators and victims. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And when I when I think about, OK, so that's that's the the now 
is society is divided between the oppressed and the oppressors, right? Yes. So what's the objective? What's what's step two? For in step one right now, what's step two? Step two is they're in power and we're all in re-education camps or at the bottom of a mass grave. It's, it's all I can think. I mean, am I, am I misinterpreting this? No, I don't think you're misinterpreting it at all. Okay. Right? I mean, that's, that's been the path. That's the objective. Every time somebody has tried to implement these 19th century German ideas, that has been the path. <laughs> that's how right? it works. I mean, that's how it Always works. ends in misery, poverty, and, and death. death. Yes, yeah. exactly. Every and, and single so, time. And if, if, you know, Soviet Union, Nazi Germany, fascist Italy... Communist China, communist Vietnam, communist Cambodia, Cambodia, communist Cuba. We can just list them off. And the same things happened here on the same premise CRT is preaching today. Yep. Right? And and it's really simple, right? If you agree with me and you'll support me, you're okay. I'll give you rations. If you don't agree with me, don't support me. Right. You're toast. Right. Right? I I mean, I can't emphasize this enough. It's the... Explicit renunciation of all men are created equal with the same natural rights. That's that's exactly what it's based on. 180 degrees from that. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. 180 degrees from that. And I guess, you and I were talking before we hit record. In in the past, when, when I've had sort of a less than deep understanding of CRT, I kind of thought... Oh, it's just, it's just a bad socialist idea. You know, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just a bad idea. It is just. Bad idea and socialists are redundant, but go well, ahead. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. But, you know, I, I, I don't think I had an appreciation for how bad this is. I mean, how utterly destructive. This is, this is a nuclear bomb of ideas. Yes. In, in, a, in so many ways, so much more than just racism is bad and and I'm going to attack you because you're a white woman, you know, and I mean, attack you on social media. I mean, I, and I've been on the receiving end of that crap more than once, but it's way beyond that. Oh oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's way beyond that. It's way beyond that. It's way beyond that. Worth understanding in depth is, is kind of what I've come away with, you know, from, from spending a week in in the literature and that kind of thing is, this is worth developing a much deeper understanding of because yeah. it represents such a grave threat not just to our kids and not just to our institutions this this whole thing and it's all that much worse because it's couched in these nice terms diversity equity inclusion you know yeah, yeah. All, all of this stuff you know ESG whatever so that, I can never remember what that stands yeah, for yeah, equity yeah. social graces or something I don't you know I mean it's that that kind of flowery language, you know, that, oh, you know, who can disagree with diversity and inclusion? Yeah, the bedrock to it all is this. Yeah. I can define these terms however I wish, and I can change the definition whenever I wish. And regardless of what definition I use, it's always going to be definition to my advantage and against yours. (laughs) Bingo. Right? I mean, that's the whole point to it, right? I mean, it's just a big manipulation for a few people to wield an enormous amount of power over a large number of people. Yeah. That's the bottom line to it, right? I mean, that's that's really all it is. And you're right. They will use flowery language. To mean whatever it is that they want it to mean. To mean whatever they – and they will take the obvious and the simple. Yeah. In good, poor, scholastic practice, <laughs> they will claim the obvious and the simple is profound and meaningful. Right. Right? I mean, diversity is a great point. Nobody has yet pointed out exactly how diversity is inherently either a strength or a weakness. 
as as a primary good, it is it isn't. Well, it, 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 it can't or be. is a primary bad. But what it right. is is a reality, right? It's just yeah. is what it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know, we have a diverse society, right. and we should be including people regardless of their diversity, but we include people on this classical idea that you are free citizens of a republic. Yeah. Right? Not, we're including you because of your skin color. We're excluding you because of your skin color. Right. Right? This is just a revolving door of racism. That's all it is. It's Well, it's anti-racist, according to Kendi, right? (laughs) Yeah. So. (laughs) Well, yeah, according to Kendi, yeah, anti-racism is being actively bigoted against Straight white males. Right. To be explicit. Right. Right? If white female in your street, eh, maybe you're okay. Unless you're a Republican. Unless if you're a Republican. Yeah, well, you're, you're a Republican. You're not okay just, regardless, right? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, right? <laughs> Does not matter. Does not matter. But yeah, I mean, that's the idea, right? It's active racism. It is. And, and they proclaim it to be anti-racist. They go, well, basically, it's the same as the EEOC ideas of... These people have been discriminated against. We need to even this up. So, and a lot of people think that's probably a fair idea. Well, and and they will argue that if you don't think it's a fair idea, you're a racist. But that's not the grounds on which we should be evaluating this. We should be evaluating this on what causes human beings to thrive. Right. Right. And this isn't it. And this has never been it in the history of mankind. Your skin color does not cause you to thrive. It just doesn't. Or not thrive. And I think that's, that's, oh, and every time I watch the news and they start to bring this stuff up and they, you know, they, it's, I start yelling back at the television. What if we change those words out to their opposite? If we used white instead of black, we use black instead of white in that sentence that you just said, Mr. Newscaster, then what would happen? Yeah. Well, you know, and that's, that's, it's, it's so freaking frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. It's so freaking frustrating. It, it is. I think we should, since, since it's starting to come into the conversation, let's define equity as opposed to equality, because this is another one that I really had trouble getting my arms around because I really couldn't quite understand what they meant by equity. And it's kind of slippery. No, it is. It's, it's kind of slippery. What's your definition? Of what, equity? Yeah. What's How are you using it? You have something I want, hence I'm entitled to take it. And I can find some <laughs> made up grounds. Sure. And typically, here's what those made up grounds are. Not always, mm. but most often. You or your parents or maybe your grandparents once upon a time, made some good decisions. I did not make good decisions. Hence, you owe me. Fair enough. That's, that, that is really what that boils down to. I don't think it's ever said explicitly like that. It always boils down to member, but, being a member of some, some disadvantaged group yes. or you know, historically yes. you know, oppressed or whatever. You know, this is just so interesting because up until the 1960s, you could certainly argue if you were black in America – there were a considerable number of legal oppressions against you. Absolutely. Right? And so much more recently, if you were an Indian, and in some cases as an Indian, you can still argue that. Right. However, you have to separate that from that basic question of what causes human beings to thrive. Right. Right? Discrimination is horrible. It's abhorrent. Yep. Right? But it's abhorrent regardless of who's being discriminated against. Yes. Right? That's the point. It's not... A matter of, well, we're going to discriminate against white people and even things up. It doesn't work that way. Nobody thrives in that system. Right. Right. It's like Calvin Coolidge said, right? Bigotry is as demeaning to the bigot as it is to the one being discriminated against. Right. I mean, the people, need to, under, yeah, pe- right. yeah, yeah. people need to understand that. Yeah. Right. It's not 
if you're going to be discriminatory against somebody because they're black or white or they're an Indian or I mean, the most discriminated against group in America today, legally speaking, are Asians by far. I have a story about that right? in a minute. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk but, about but, that. Yeah, yeah. But, but it doesn't matter yeah. who you are or who you're discriminating against. It is demeaning to the, both the receiver and that person doing the discriminating. Well, it's just it's just antithetical to community which is part of one of those things that makes human beings thrive. We're made for community. You know, if you start you start engaging in the politics of envy is really what it boils down to. All of this is the politics of envy. You know, if that's the that if that's the emotion that 24/7 365 you're going to indulge in and and act upon, then no, you're not going to be in a good mental space. No. You're just not. No, it's You're like just not. It's like we mentioned something several episodes ago that Jordan Peterson wrote. But yeah, if if you're going to bend the knee to this, yeah, you're the one who will suffer. Yeah, right. You, you think you may be causing those other people to suffer. You may very well cause other people to suffer, but you will not walk away unscathed. Right. If this is how you're going to view other human beings. Well, in this. If the idea is, and, and it's not because they're Marxists, so so we already know that they're, this is not their idea, but if the idea is to structure your life and your emotions and your relationships in such a way that that you are generally a happy human being who, you know, goes about trying to make themselves into a better human being every single day, then this is not the way to go about doing it. No. But that's not the objective of Marxists. It's not their... No. In, in any way, shape, or form. Their no, objective is to cause misery, poverty, and death. Their objective is power for themselves. Right. That's their objective. Right. Right. Which causes misery, poverty, yeah, Yes. Always causes misery, poverty, and death. <laughs> but yeah, that that is their objective. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, yeah, just what it is. It is always. And so I'm, I'm not going to say that, you know, happy people are always immune from trying to seek power. That's not the case. We do have Republicans, happy Republicans, even some of them who do run for office. They're not happy long. No. <laughs> Nobody, no, nobody running for office or in office is generally a happy person. It's really hard to be happy in yeah. office, but um, no, I mean, I think that that we that we do actually, you know, have people both sides of the aisle who seeking power. Not all of them are corrupt. Let me put it that way. Right. Okay. So, so not, not all of them are psychopaths. Not all of them. No, just far, far too many. A, a good portion of them. Well, yes. well, the way it works, I mean, this is just the truth. Yeah. Right? The way it's always worked in humanity, right? Psychopaths want power. Yeah. And even when they're a member of, say, a Congress and there's 400 or whatever number you may choose of them. Right. It's the psychopaths who will elbow and destroy the others to get power for themselves. Yep. I watched, if anybody hasn't watched it, I don't know if you've ever watched it. I rewatched last night. It's a great movie. The Death of Stalin. Mm -mm. I need oh, to see that. I highly recommend watch that movie. Okay. And it's about the uh, the, the Central Committee of the Soviet Union. Uh, it's about when Stalin actually dies. And it's all... So some of the events are exaggerated, but everything that happens in the movie is that what actually happened. And they managed okay. to turn that into a pretty hilarious comedy <laughs> that's really poignant. Okay. Okay. That's really <laughs> poignant because you show just how ridiculous these people are. Sure. Stalin dies. They're all elbowing for power. Right. Right. And these are horrible human beings. Right. Elbowing each other out for power. And yeah, it, it, it's just, it's very funny. But at the same time, <laughs> I did not it's, know it was a comedy. <laughs> it's, really, it's really poignant. Okay. Because you see just how horrible 
these kinds of systems are. Right. What they produce when it's all about power. Right. It's about my power over everybody else. Right. So, yeah, people should watch that movie and realize that's what progressivism, wokeism. Right. That's what the CRT advocates are arguing in favor of. Right. Is that system. Right. Right. And the DEI departments and yes. All, yes. All, of, all of these, whatever acronym they want to throw at me, I'm still going to recognize them for what they are. Yeah. yeah. Which is- but it's just a hilarious movie. Stalin has a stroke. And the subsequent is like, well, we can't call a doctor till we have a quorum, right? <laughs> and, and they get a quorum, they're like, well, let's call a doctor. And they go, well, but we killed all the doctors, <laughs> which was a true story. There was something in, in Moscow called the Jewish doctor's plot where the, the, the central committee of the Soviet Union got in their mind. All these Jewish doctors were anti-Bolshevik conspiracists oh and, and they annihilated they killed all the doctors, so yeah, there's nobody there to see. Yeah, them. they annihilated this entire oh. class of doctors in Moscow. Irony. And and then yeah, <laughs> oh we can't oh we killed all the good doctors. We'll get a bad doctor. Right? Well, what if we get a bad doctor and he dies? Well then nobody'll know, right? You know, it's kind of how the conversation goes. But it, it was all based on what they really did. I'll be darned. Right? They, they got in their minds, yeah. It was called the Jewish doctors conspiracy that huh. these Jewish doctors were all going to overthrow Stalin and and they killed them all. And <laughs> it's just the insanity of, of this entire type of system that's premised on nothing but power. And truth is not a relevant factor here. Right. Yeah. Right. So who had the white privilege in that scenario? Uh, well. Explain that to me. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the doctors had an American made medical instrument. and They were protesting against him using this. Because he was made in America. America. <laughs> yeah, it's just that level of, you know, insanity. So ridiculous, but everything is political. Everything Bingo. is political. Everything is political. Right. That's exactly that it. Yeah. Everything. And that it's just what it shows in that movie. Yeah. The end result of everything is political. And the consequence of that is things may become deadly, but everything is absurd. Right. Right. And CRT is absurd. I mean, if you if you seriously, objectively think about it for 120 seconds, you realize that this is absurd. It's a revolving door of racism, which is a perfect seg to segue into the next section of my outline. Why hasn't it been stopped yet, though? I mean, so I mean, if it's <laughs> if it's this absurd, and I I I, I share your humor at it, yeah. looking at it from you know an objective intellectual point of view, but I'm also terrified because it's this this theory has taken over our schools all. Of our schools, you had some some terrifying statistics that yeah. you sent to me la- uh, over the course of the week. Yeah, about exposure to CRT and what what it does to our kids. You know, I mean, so if it's this objectively bad, why hasn't it been stopped yet? Why didn't it just die on the vine if it was that stupid? It, it's there's something keeping it alive here. Well, yeah, the thirst for power. Well, <laughs> that's what keeps it alive, right? I mean, you have school unions. You have teachers. That doesn't explain every successful woke, every successful company that then decides to buy into the wokeness. That doesn't well, explain that to me because they're well, not, they're not, they were already powerful. They didn't need to. Okay. Because it changes the paradigm for what they have to do. Right. I okay. mean, if you're a corporation and you look at this, right, this wokeness, right. And you realize you don't have to compete anymore on quality or price or any of that. You have to compete on political correctness. Right. Right. 
you can make people, you can use it in this system, you can make it a political imperative to buy their product, right? Right. Okay. Who cares? Your product sucks. It's overpriced. Your customer service sucks. Who cares? If you can make it a political imperative to have to buy your product. Right. I mean, we see this with the climate change. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. We're, we're green, we're carbon neutral, we're, you know, blah, 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 blah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and I'm not inherently against electric cars. Right. But where they are right now, they simply don't work for most people. How, yeah. However, yeah. that doesn't matter if you're going to buy it, if you're going to make it politically correct to buy an electric car or not to go buy a new F-250. Right. Well, it's, I, but I, I have I have such a huge problem with that because it is not actually even morally superior no, no. to do that. Let's 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 talk about that for a no, second. No, it's you know, not it's, at all. You know, this is this is part of their their selective narrative, their yes. their ability to to control what gets out into the public. So electric cars are powered by batteries that contain cobalt yeah. that is mined by child slave labor in China. Um, in Africa. Yeah. In Africa. I forget where all my rare earths are, but yeah. we've got slave labor going into these things, people yeah. dying because of it. Um, really, really, really bad living conditions yeah. f- to put together the elements needed in order to build the battery that goes into your right. electric car that you feel so superior people to don't, everyone else on your on your block for yeah. owning. Yeah. People don't see that, so they don't think it exists. And then the, you put that battery into the into the landfill, and it pollutes the groundwater. It yeah. does horrible things to to the environment. Yeah. Well, let's just get down to the core of it, though. Okay. Okay. Basis of this, once again, all men are created equal with the same natural rights, right. and they reject that. Right. Okay. So the idea that people that that providing people could discover their own information and make their own informed decision about what they want to purchase is chaotic to them. Drives them nuts. Okay. Okay. So they want you buying what enriches them. <laughs> they want to prohibit you buying what does not enrich them, what does right. not empower them. I mean, we see this on the state levels. It's really obvious. You have states, once they become progressive strongholds, right? Okay. They pass legislation that industries that more typically donate to the Republican side become all but outlawed in those states. Surprise, surprise, yes, that, surprise. That's right. And yeah. then they pass laws that make for most Republicans life intolerable. Yeah. And people leave, right? I and, think uh, there's two people sitting in this room right now who that happened to over the course of the past three years. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the basic model, right? Yeah. So this is just writ large. Okay, these people who run these new green deal kind of companies typically give lots of money to progressives. Right. And progressives pass laws that make you and I and other people have to give money to them directly or indirectly. And they at the same time pass laws that inhibit or prohibit the competition right. of their friends. Well, right? That's, it's it's it, that's just your basic power play. No, I mean, that's that's man right. In Washington not with shrug crap. Yeah, this is your basic abuse of power. Yeah. But they cloth this abuse of power in this moral, ideological realm. Right. Right? Well, you know, if I climate change, it puts money in my pocket, puts money in my friend's pocket. Yeah. Takes money out of the guy who's running Gitsby's pocket, makes the people who would vote for him leave. Yeah. Right? Win, 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 win for progressives, even though there is yeah. no 
objective moral standard by which this would not be considered abhorrent behavior. But because they're nihilist, there is no objective moral standard. There is no objective moral standard. (laughs) So the only only thing that's that's abhorrent behavior is the abhorrent is behavior which does not lead to their being empowered and enriched. Exactly. Right. It's a self licking lollipop. (laughs) I mean, it's really what it is. That's uh, well, and that's exactly why I came up with four reasons. I, me and Chris Rufo came up with four reasons. <laughs> so Christopher Rufo, if you are interested in this, um, and I'll put some links to some of his articles in the, in the show notes to this. I'm actually going to do show notes this time. I promise. I promise. Christopher Rufo writes for City Journal. He's part of the Man- Manhattan Institute, and um, and he runs a few other organizations and stuff. He's a huge voice on our side of the CRT debate. And the guy, I mean, he's got, he's got so many stories and, and so much depth of knowledge on all of this. And, uh, he, he did a, an article in, uh, I can never pronounce this in Primus. Yes. Okay. In Primus, which is uh, Hillsdale college's publication. If you don't get it, you should. He came up with four reasons why this isn't being stopped yet. One is, is cancel culture. I mean, people are afraid they're 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 afraid to stand up and say this is wrong. Yes, because they, they come after you and they dogpile bad. And there's people no doubt. lose their jobs. People, people get kicked out jobs. of college. People all sorts of things. They get threatened. Their lives get threatened. Their yes. dogs get killed. You know, I mean, this is this is literally happens. I've seen. Yes, I know people whose whose pets have have been. No, killed. exactly. So yeah, it's 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 a real fear. Yes. It's a real fear because these are mean people. Yeah, they well, they are not nice people at all. Again, they're nihilist. They have no objective moral standards other than their own power. I, I'm I'm gonna stop giving them fancy titles and just say they're assholes. Yeah, they are because that's really kind of what it boils down yeah. to. The second point, and this gets back to what you were just saying, is uh, the CRT's argument itself is a trap. I mean, that's this is the self licking lollipop. Yes, I, I love the way you you say it. But you show any dissent, and that dissent is then labeled evidence of the theory being true. Yes. So you show any dissent as a white cis male and. It's your shame and your guilt that's causing you to show dissent. Yes. It's causing you to not agree with the with the theory itself. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Self-licking lollipop. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. And so you can't get out of it. Well, you can. You cannot care what they think. No, you don't care what they think. You, right. you understand what they are and don't care what they think. Right? Right. I mean, that's that's number one. Understand. Yeah. Understand the logic behind this. They're saying the logic behind what they're saying. It's mm-hmm. like it loses much of its power. You're going to call me a racist, not because I'm a racist. You're going to call me a racist because, because I think racist. your ideas suck. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and I can ostensibly, objectively, completely prove your ideas suck. Right. Right. That's not even a subjective thing. Right. It, they just they do. And we can demonstrate that. Right. In any number of ways with objective data that they can't respond to. So it's like Thomas Sowell said, right? When when these people are presented with objective data that their ideas suck, yeah. to paraphrase, okay, <laughs> the first thing they do is they denigrate objective data. Yeah. Right? That, that's, that's what they do because yeah. they can't actually- The data is racist. Yeah. yeah they can't actually stand up- You can't win. To- Well, they can't stand up to sunshine. Right. They can't have somebody look at this, shine a light on it and go- is what you're saying has happened, right. what happened, right. is what you're saying the solution is producing any kind of an outcome anybody wants other than these Marxists who want to gain power. Right. I mean, there's no way you're going to look at CRT and say today or at any point in the future, it is producing a more favorable outcome for African-Americans because it is not. No. 
Nope. It is not. Maybe for some privileged, you know, legal scholars who sit on top of the on top of the dunghill there and make sure that everything rolls downhill, I suppose. Yeah, well, we've mentioned but, it many times, right? Denver Public Schools, 5% of Black and Hispanic students read a grade level. Right, but they're 5%. spending how many hours a day working on diversity, well, you know, even if equity, and inclusion? Well, on that, just the fact only 5% can read can show, yeah. right? This entire model yeah. is a failure. But they can tell you that in 1619, there were yeah. slaves in America. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah. No, but I mean... Well, yeah, that's, I mean, it, but I'm, it's, I'm, it's, it's funny, objectively, it's true. Yeah. rationally indefensible right. in every way, shape, and form you can imagine. Right. It's only defensible if your goal is power. Well, and that's why they don't even try to defend it. No. And they, they, they just tell you that you are a racist for disagreeing with them, for not wanting Marxism. You're a racist for, for, for disagreeing with the, with the objective. Yes. And you should, you yeah. know, therefore just get woke and understand that your white privilege is causing you to say such things. Yeah, yeah. You don't want equity for minorities. Right. Well, yeah, I do. Yeah. Right? I do. I just think here's how you acquire it, by making good decisions that causes you and the others around you to thrive. Right. Right? Everybody does better in that system. In this system, these select few people are going to decide who will and who will not do better. And they're going to decide that based on who kisses their ass. Bingo. That's exactly Bingo. how this works. That's that's the only way you get ahead is by kissing somebody's ass. Yes. And that's, but I, and I think, and this actually gets to um, Rufo's final point, is that we tend to argue theory, you know, Republicans and conservatives in general. And we just, we tend to argue theory because that's kind of where we go. Um, you know, we, we want to point out they're being hypocrites. We want to point out that, you know, none of this makes any sense. We've got empirical data that shows them to be completely work. and totally wrong, but it yes. does not work. In the, in the public sphere, that argument that is, is never going to go anywhere because then we're pushing them actually back into their comfort zone, which is their academic highfalutin arrogance where they can look down their nose at you and tell you that you're just providing evidence for their theory. So what we don't do and what we should do is we need to take the practical consequences of all the crap that they're saying and throw that in their face and make them own it. Yes. So, for example, Mr. Kendi, you are um, absolutely committed to taking groups of first graders and having them divide themselves into groups of oppressors and group and the oppressed. Yes. So you're you're wanting first graders to identify themselves that way. You're wanting to take federal government programs and send any white cisgender male to a re-education camp and then make them come back to the office and own their guilt and write were uh, write apology letters to to fictitious people of color. Yeah, is so, that, by the way, it's just pure malism. Yeah. That, that is, right? It really the is. Malice, this idea, right? Yeah. Malice, yeah. right? Public self-criticism. If you were incorrect, you were supposed to stand up yeah. in public and self-criticize yourself for a year incorrectness. Right. That's all this is. Right. right. I stole that from Mao. <laughs> they didn't even come up with it. Originally. No, they didn't come up with well, it. And if you talk to, if you talk to Chinese Americans or anybody who, who emigrated here from China and especially from the older generation who were, you know, part of the, remember the cultural, Mao. who remember Mao, who remember yeah. the cultural revolution, you get the definite feeling or they'll just flat out tell you, we're not going to let that happen here the same way it happened there because it is happening here all over again. Right. And, and these people should be very aware of the Cultural Revolution because the Cultural Revolution, the whole idea in China was you had these communist revolutionaries right. who brought Mao to power. 
Right. And 17 years later, Mao decided some of them were kind of dangerous to his continued power. So he would raise up a new generation to literally annihilate the older generation. The older generation that brought him to power. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's all it was. Yeah. Right. I mean, it literally was all it was. And, and same uh, Cuba, the Soviet Union. It doesn't yeah. matter. Right. I mean, once these people gain power, all these people who are these true believers right. and the adherents that brought them to power, they just wipe them out because they're too dangerous because they, they are true believers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. You, yeah. Need, you need people that you can keep under your thumb. That, exactly. And, and that is that is the the number one quality of a good subject in a regime like this is that it's somebody that you can keep under your thumb. They're uneducated. Exactly. They cannot think for themselves. They don't know how to think critically or to, to construct a rational argument. They are unaware of history. They don't know how it all worked before. They're just, they run 100% on feelings. They can be 100% manipulated. Uh, exactly. And yeah, I mean, there's a reason Stalin had to kill Trotsky. Even if Trotsky was in Mexico and had been in the Soviet Union for 10 years. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Dangerous. Yes, Dangerous. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's why, I mean, you and I and, and most of our friends joke around about the re-education camps that we're going to be assigned to underneath DIA. But you know, <laughs> I mean, anybody who thinks who thinks clearly is going to be part of that problem. And, and so well, unless we defeat this, this cancer. Well, we can defeat it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You just sagged right into the fourth section of my outline. You're, okay, well, you're damn go, good go today. for it. <laughs> so, I mean, that's my question. How do we defeat this? Tell the truth. I mean, <laughs> seems so easy. <laughs> it is easy and simple, and yet so many people on the Republican side have a great deal of difficulty doing that. Right. So, I mean, that's that's the problem. Right? You can't go, hey, this is bullshit. Not to say, and yeah, and spew bullshit yourself. Right. We have to. I, I mean, I'll tell you. You know, Sosa needs and have the solution. Yeah. You know, he said, you can resolve to live your life with integrity. Let your credo be this. Let the lie come into the world. Let it even triumph, but not through me. That's how he defeated yeah. the Soviet Union. Right. Because eventually, by the late 80s, everybody in the Soviet Union realized everything they were being fed was bullshit. Yeah. Everybody knew it. Nobody could have any plausible deniability anymore. Right. Yep. That's it. Right. You just stop playing the game of making everything political and not being truthful. If it's, right. you know, well, don't buy into the everything. The everything is political argument. Don't buy into the nihilist ar no. argument. You know, have the courage of your beliefs. About yes. Have the courage of your beliefs. If you but if you don't know something is true or not, don't say it. And if you're wrong about something, that's OK. Right. Sincerely made an error. Right. Just say, oh, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I learned something. Right. I mean, be a human being. Intellectual integrity. <laughs> exactly. Oh, just my be a human being. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it will just be repeating whatever you read on the Internet that you right. satiate your emotions. Right. That's not useful in defeating this. Right. Uh, but these are really easy ideas to defeat. It's like um, God said, said, right. We can defeat these ideas by next Tuesday. Yeah. If we wanted to. Yeah. I mean, that's how easy they are to defeat. We just can't get together on our side and say what's true and what's real with integrity. That's that's really why we're flailing against this. So this is kind of a plug to go back two episodes and listen to our episode about conservatives. Yes. <laughs> because we, we did cover a lot of this. We did. We did cover uh, a lot yeah. Of this. I mean, the, this is the solution. The solution is just tell the truth. Yeah. And let the ships fall where they may. Right. That's OK, because the thing they can't compete on is truth. 
Right. Right. Well, they've taken truth completely off the playing field, though. Yes. They have taken truth completely off the playing field. So so there's portions of this is, is about fighting that battle to get truth back on the freaking playing field. And we do that all of us individually. Right. That's that's what Solzhenitsyn said. Right. Right. Don't let the lie come in through me. Right. Right. We do this all individually. And there are sincerely, genuinely Republicans who think it can outlie the commies. You cannot tell lies better than commies. Commies have been doing this for 180 years. They've tested it. They've practiced it. They know what lies sell, what lies don't sell. Right, right. Don't even try and compete on those. They rounds. know how to cry on the stand and try to convince everybody exactly what yeah, they look just, like. Yeah. Just, just stand up and tell the truth. Yeah. And it may not seem like it mattered when you did it, but it's everybody doing this cumulatively over time. It matters and it crushes these ideas. Well, and that's I, I think that that's, you know, having courage really yeah. is kind of what this boils down to. And I think that that is absolutely 100 percent part of the solution. But I do think that there are bigger impact ways also. I mean, there's there's that and that's a, a person to person way to way to do this. Yeah. But what I will say is that <clears throat> that person to person contact only succeeds, only succeeds for our ideas when we take that person to person contact to somebody who believes differently than we do. Yes. And so you can't stay inside your no. echo chamber. Got to get out of the bubble. And and make in order to make these arguments to to other people and you have to be able to do it not just persuasively but affably. Yes. And you know so that people will actually listen to you, which is the part that I kind of suck at. So yeah, well, we're arguing against ideas here. We're not arguing against people in most instances. Right. You can make the instance, right. the, the argument, you know, Hitler, Stalin, Castro, Mao. Right. Yeah. But by and large, what we're arguing here against their ideas, we're not, hey, I wish ill on my neighbor. I wish ill on my coworker. That's not the tactic to take. The tactic right. is, you know what? There's a better way to do this than what these people are proposing. Yeah. And we know from 5,000 years of history, there's a better way to do it. We know from the results these people are producing today, yeah. there's a better way to do this. Well, there's absolutely, absolutely a better way. But there's, I think there's other things that people can do as well. Take that conversation to your neighbor. Yeah. Take that conversation to your school board. Yeah. And take part in that, that public comment section and talk about, these things do not belong in our schools. Yeah, they don't belong in our society. They don't belong in our society. But yeah. at the school board meeting, you talk about why it doesn't belong in our schools. Right. In the boardroom, when the company that you work for is sending all of the cis white gender males or whoever to these, you know, DEI re-education camps and so forth, stand up and say no. Yeah. Stand up and say no and get some of your your like-minded employee friends to do the same and push back against that. Yeah. I will tell you that that is having an effect. Oh, yeah. That is having an effect. First of all, I think all of us have heard at this point in time the phrase, go woke, go broke. Yes. And so there is some of that. I will not subscribe to Disney ever again. I am not giving them any more of my money. Because, and, and I love Disney movies. I really do love Disney movies and Pixar and all of them. I really do. But they've gone woke. Yeah. And I do not want to, to support that right. until they take that crap out of their programming and away from, from all the shit that they're doing. Right. Until they do that, I'm not going to give them any money. The University of North Carolina has now passed rules, the chancellors uh, or the, the board of chancellors or whatever their, their governing board, that they will no longer do DEI mandates and the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. 
that's all gone. Yeah. So this is having an so, effect. So one of the more interesting things in the economy, so there have been considerable layoffs mm-hmm. as some very large companies here as of late. Yeah. The one thing that's really consistent here, all these DEI apartments are, departments are getting laid off. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere it's doing layoffs. Those are those are these are the first people. Oh, exactly because they're because they're useless. Well, I mean, let's think about we think about Marxism, we think about communism, we think about the way the Soviet Union ran. Every single organization, at, at every single organizational um, subcompartment, had a political officer. Well, yeah, exactly. Right? That's what these things are. Yes, that's exactly what they are. They are political officers. They are there to make sure that the the, the company and the organization that they are embedded with remains politically correct to this idea of wokeness. Yeah. And, and if, to consider on your theme of the Soviets, <laughs> right? Okay. Okay. In the Soviet Union, it was a crime to engage in what was called anti-Soviet behavior. Anti-Soviet behavior was whatever the political officer defined anti-Soviet behavior to be. There was no objective definition. It was a political crime, right? I mean, there were people in the Soviet Union who got sent to the gulags for when they were supposed to be singing political patriotic Soviet songs uh-huh. would merely mouth the words instead of actually wholeheartedly singing the words. They were sent to the gulags they were sent to the gulags for that. Uh, uh, no, I'm not making that up. I know you're not. Right? I mean, this is, I this is it, right? Because this is where CRT really is going yeah. toward the idea of political crimes if, and yeah. race crimes, right? And and this, remember, right, not to overstretch, overrot, but... Adolf Hitler said the difference in national socialism and Marxism-Leninism was that national socialism was Marxism with the injection of race. Yep. Right? Oh, oh, look, what's this? Marxism with the injection of race. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, this is this is so craziness. Anti-fascist. This yeah. is craziness. Oh, it's so we we talked about Ibram Kendi uh, up in Boston. A little bit during the course of this podcast, he has proposed twenty five thousand hours to speak. Oh, yeah, he's anti capitalist. Twenty five thousand an hour to speak. Is he giving that to? No, he's, yeah, he's giving that to his, you know, his bank account. But again, pointing out that they're hypocrites does us no good. Well, I, it, no. It's so freaking frustrating but it's because fun. they are such. But it is so fun. much fun to it point out. Abraham Kindy gets twenty five thousand dollars an hour to speak. So, so this is what he speaks about when you pay him twenty five thousand dollars. He has proposed the creation of a federal department of anti racism. Yes, this department would be independent from the elected branches of government, yes. i.e. not accountable to. No, no oversight. <laughs> Absolutely zero oversight. And would have the power, get this, to nullify, veto, or abolish any law at any level of government and curtail the speech of political leaders and others who are deemed insufficiently, quote unquote, anti-racist. Yes. That's that's Mr. Kendi's, that's what he believes in. Yeah. No, it, so, yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Unelected, unrepresented uh-huh. dictatorship because it's exactly what that is. Because he's a Marxist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's well, and that's the only way this is the practical application of things that we've talked about on this podcast before of how you get everybody to fall in line, which is necessary in order to achieve the Marxist utopia. You have to create the new man. This yes. is how this is the, the practical on the street way that it's done. Yeah is how to create the new man. Yes. You send them to the gulag. 
You said, I know, where's the gulag going to be? Is it North Dakota? I mean, where, where would they put it? Alaska? I suppose uh, there's enough room in Alaska, but it'd be kind of expensive to send people up there, I suppose. I, where's it going to be? I lived in Alaska, so I might have a good chance up there. It's my work. I don't know. It's crazy. No, it is crazy. And so let's be clear, right? It's like Solomon yeah. said, so long enough, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. Right? These people are just rehashing ideas from the Soviet Union, Nazi Germany, communist China, fascist Italy, yeah. communist Cuba, ideas that we already know what happened. Just none of them did it right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. We're going to do it right because it's based exactly. on race this but, time. But, but, but honestly, at this point, they will deny yeah. that that's what they're doing. Yeah. Right? And that was one of the hallmarks, again, not to belabor, but the new left in 59 Berkeley. We can't make this connection between what Soviets, Nazis, fascists have done and what we're doing. Even though we're not doing the same thing, we have to tell people it's different, <laughs> right. right? I mean, I'm serious, right? right. And that's, that's really what this is, right? You can look at this and go, well, Nazi Germany did that. Soviet Union did this. Right. Mao's China did that. Communist Cuba did this. So it's just cobbled together from all, this, from all the other exactly. crap that they did. And yeah. they'll go, well, no, they didn't. I mean, they're just flat out. Well, some of them will lie to you who know enough, but most of them don't even know enough about any of this to understand. No. It's all been done before and we know what the outcome is of all of these things. No, and they'll just run into their, the ones who don't know will just run into their cry closet and yeah. cuddle cuddle with their uh, their plush unicorn, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I think that this is, what, it, what I want to leave everybody with is some hope because uh, this is a pretty depressing subject. It really is. I mean, this is, like, like I said, for me, the further I got into this, more terrifying I found it. And, and I will be definitely seeing this you know, as I look now that I know what I'm looking for, I'll be able to see it out in society, even though they deny that it's even being taught in our schools, which is such bullshit. Yeah. Um, they deny that it's oh, anywhere. Oh, yeah. OK, so again, they're Marxist. They, they lie. lie. Yeah. That's that's just just flat out. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. 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 They just lie. That's what they do. It is their they do. MO. It yeah. is their and MO. they have no moral compunction about lying because it's not about anything objectively moral. It's about power. There is no such thing as truth. So it doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, but I want to, I want to leave people with some hope and, and some practical things that they can do, um, to, to really start pushing back on this, because this is absolutely a critical fight. If you are a parent, we talked about this a little bit last week when we talked about education, but I want to reiterate, especially on this stuff. I want you as a parent to very, be very, very cognizant of what is being taught in your child's classroom, be involved as much as they will let you. And they won't let you unless you push. You have right. to push. You know, back when I was in, in elementary school, they were begging for parents to come in and help in the classroom. You know, they were begging because yeah. they weren't doing anything subversive. Right. Now they push back because they don't want you to, to be part of that. So so find a way to be part of that. You know, monitor your kids' homework and all that kind of stuff and talk to your children about, about what's, what's being taught to them at school. And then go to the school boards and make sure that they're not teaching this crap that they're they're keeping this stuff away from your kids and actually teaching your kids reading writing and arithmetic because that's the yeah it really needs to be the thing that they're actually teaching right if you are an employee and you have one of these i i, I can't call them anything but re-education camps you know i mean yeah. i don't know what else to say about them right you know if, if they're gonna if they're gonna send you to one of these esg seminars or whatever push back you know, and, and don't, you know, don't, don't take the bait and don't, don't let them corral you or, or push you into feeling guilty for your skin color. Well, never. 
I mean, if if they're if the objective of the lesson is you are white, therefore you should feel guilty, there's something terribly, terribly, terribly wrong. Right. It's I mean, that's that's a pretty easy tell right there. Right. Right. Yeah. And and finally, if you're in if you're in the government, if you're part of the government, if you're if you're you know in the legislature, let's run some bills to stop having this happen in our public institutions. Right. Let's let's get that out of there. You know, at the federal level, I'd love to see you know some. And President Trump did sign an, an executive order to get a lot of this stuff out, which Biden rescinded on his first day in office. Yeah, and that's the problem with executive orders. Right. Right. So right. legislation, lawsuits. Lawsuits are even better, you know, and we see this stuff happening because this is a violation of the 14th Amendment. It's a violation of the Civil Rights Act. It's a violation of um, of the First Amendment. It's a violation of, of our constitutional rights. It's a violation of humanity. It is a violation of humanity. That's, That's not actionable in the courts. So, <laughs> No, but, it's, but, but it is actionable in people's conscience. Yes, it is. And, and really, right, you change this by changing the culture. Yeah. People going, you know what? I don't care who the racism is against. It's not okay to be racist. Bingo. Right? I mean, that's really it. All men are created equal with the same natural rights. We, yeah. We've said this countless times. You believe that or you don't believe it. But if you believe it, sell it. Yeah. Live it. Yeah. Put that in what you think, what you want to be done. Right. Right? And then find a way. Let's all work together to make a better society instead of trying to split us all up to make a quote, a quote unquote better society the way that they're trying to do. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So can I end with a quote? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Always. Because really, right? We've talked about this big Marxism. Yeah. Right? And really what they want to do is decide on a racial basis what you can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. Right? And they say, well, that makes society better. Well, it does not. And there's no examples in history of that making society better, right? right. But, you know, huge fan of P.J. O'Rourke uh, because he was so funny and he got to the point. Don't vote. It just encourages the bastards. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. P.J. O'Rourke said, America wasn't founded so that we could all be better. America was founded so we could all be anything we damn well please. Bingo. And this is what flies in the face of CRT because yeah. it's not a simply a matter of you're a perpetrator. It's just as degrading to tell these other people, yeah, you know, the other half, that they're victims. Yeah. Right? How how incredibly insulting and degrading to tell a six or eight-year-old child you're a victim. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it. No. I mean, that's, seriously, that's, to hell with that. That is absolutely wrong. Yeah. That's a horrible thing to tell a child. Exactly. It's a horrible and, and, thing to tell to anybody. It is. And, and, and let's just face it, right? I mean, be blunt. these are horrible people. Yes. I, I mean, they really are, yes. right? Yes, yes, I'm yes, not yes. saying anything bad should happen to them. What I'm saying is we should recognize they have horrible ideas that they want to inflict on everyone else in society. We need to all stand up and just go, go to hell with these ideas. I do want something bad for that bad to happen for them because they are aiming at trying to succeed in this endeavor. I want them to fail fail. and fail miserably at pushing this kind of an idea onto our society. Yeah, exactly. That's what I want. Exactly. Thank you, Keith. This has been a fun conversation. I really enjoyed this. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad I do too. Thank you. (laughs) I like it when I come and I've got like, you know, a half inch stack of publications over there. You keep me on my toes, man. You keep me on my toes. Well, good. (laughs) I am learning. Slowly but surely, I am learning. So what did you want to talk about next time, Keith? Oh. I picked this time. It's your turn. Oh, my turn? Yes. What would you like to talk about? Um, I just sprung this on you. Sorry. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Yeah, so I've been thinking about 
numerous topics. Okay. We could talk about next time. Pick one. I think we really ought to delve into what a crime is. Crime. Yes. What's crime? What's punishment? Right? <laughs> no, because, Hearing echoes of Dostoevsky. No, no yeah. But I mean, also needs yeah, yeah. Because I'll tell you what, one of the things I noticed, and this is, so we've talked about progressivism. Yeah. These 19th century German philosophers. Yeah. Crime is political. Can okay. be, yeah. No, it is, right? All crimes are political. Okay. And so okay. the definition of a crime is a political definition versus the classical school of thought. Okay. Where a crime is something else. And and we have a great many people, Democrats, who buy the political definition. We have far too many Republicans who buy the political definition. So we should talk about really what is a crime and why is it a crime? Okay. Right? And what, what might be appropriate punishment for a crime. What is justice? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that because there's a great deal of opportunism going around the political circles about crime. So okay. let's talk about that. I've been I've been dying for an opportunity to dive into Rawls theory of justice. So literally I have. I know that sounds like the nerdiest thing I've ever said in my entire <laughs> life, but I'm serious. <laughs> but, but it's not the nerdiest thing you've ever said. It's not the nerdiest <laughs> thing I've ever said. This is very true. <laughs> All right. Well, then tune in next time for a discussion on crime and punishment. Until then, thank you for joining us, Keith. Thank you so much. 